Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, brunning, bruning. Pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it.、Mm. Slice a fox, cultured and pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought. Here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all. So don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa! Fantasy roundtable. Fantasy, fantasy roundtable. Yeah. Fantasy roundtable. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy roundtable. Fantasy, fantasy roundtable. Fantasy roundtable. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? I feel like I've already done this today. I am back, as is Matt Fox, and we've got Dennis with us on another special Tuesday episode. Here, we are going to talk about the Thanksgiving slate of games. Obviously, three games on Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about our thoughts on how the AFC and NFC playoff picture pans out, and then Dennis might leave as me and Matt start talking Mandalorian. I'm not sure if he's sticking around for that, but due to us not having a Thursday episode. We will discuss Mandalorian at the end of the episode. Dennis, Matt, how you guys doing today? I am doing、uh, pretty good, all things considered.、Um, done with work for the week and gonna got me a nice long five day weekend. Well, we're off on Fridays a holiday, but I'm normally off on Fridays anyway. So I'm like, hey, dude, I'm just gonna take Wednesday off. I got payroll done. I'm gonna roll. He's like, all right, that should be fine. Like okay, that's enough. I'm not talking to anybody else.、Right. Don't call. I won't. Don't call. I won't answer. It's the、uh, it's the same for me. I'm a Sunday to Thursday employee, so Friday's my normal off day. So tomorrow is my starts my two Thanksgiving holiday days, and I took PTO Monday and Tuesday. So it's good. I'm glad I didn't have to drive this morning, as I told Matt earlier. It went from 67 yesterday to. 31 and a snowstorm this morning. I was like, "Oh, it's a good day just to sit inside and ponder life." Yeah,、All、it's always a good day to, to sit、tomorrow. inside and ponder life. So, no,、oh, yeah, I agree. You know, yeah, I got, I got one more day, and then I'm gonna feel just like you guys. One more day, really half a day. I think I'm gonna be done by like 10 o'clock in the morning and at home sleeping. So, can I wait? It's gonna be, it's gonna be glorious. But we've got three games. I think. Could all be fairly interesting for different reasons on on Thanksgiving Day here. I mean, you know, if you're sitting around with the in laws and you don't necessarily like the in laws, any football is good football if it's going to keep you distracted. So let's start with the very first game on the docket: the three and seven Houston Texans versus the four and six Detroit Lions. For the Texans, we know Randall Cobb is still out, and so is David Johnson. Watson, Fuller, and Cooks feel like solid starts here, but what are you guys doing with Duke Johnson? So, Detroit has given up. They're the they've given up the most fantasy points to running backs. But I, I mean, the challenge is that a lot of those fantasy points have come from receptions to running backs. They've given up five passing touchdowns to running backs. And as much as I want to say, well, Duke is a great pass catcher because he he is. That's just not what Deshaun Watson does. So I think Duke is going to get his twelve or thirteen or fourteen carries, and he's going to get fifty-five yards, maybe sixty yards, unless something crazy happens. But he's not going to, you know, he, he's not going to get a JD McKissick-like workload in the backfield、uh, f- with the passing game. Yeah, he'll probably score more than he usually scores. But I'm certainly not slotting him in as a top twelve.、Uh, I mean, I, I I like Duke. I, my initial pass at、uh, my rankings for this week, honestly, I've got him at RB thirty. Yeah, it, it's like it just. I mean, he's one behind Kalen Garbage. <laughs> did Did you guys see? Speaking of Kalen, 
uh, Eckler posted again that he's done everything except for take the field, which I thought meant well, hopeful sign. That will be changing. There is uh, what did I? What was the exact wording I read? At some point in time this week, designated he will be at, for return. Yeah, designated for return. He yeah, won't likely probably play not going to play this week. Yeah, yeah, but he'll yeah. be designated. He's probably for back return. next week. He just likes to tease us on Instagram. I, I'm with you Which, about Duke Johnson. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. I'm glad that I, I just traded Kalen Balaj too. Kalen Balaj and <laughs> David Montgomery for a first and uh, Brandon Ayuk. So it's pretty happy. That's pretty happy to pull that off trade. before, <laughs> before Eckler came back. Yeah, to the Eckler owner. He, he needed to win this week. And his other running back was Adrian Peterson. And he was like, he had Debo, he had Debo and Ayuk. And here's the best part about it. I just wanted the first. I was like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you David Montgomery because you need a running back and I'll give you a first. And I'd picked up Balaj off waivers the week before. And he's like, well, how about Balaj since I have Eckler as a throw? And I'm like, eh. I mean, I guess he's like, well, how about I'll just send you Ayuk. I have both the right. I'm like, okay. I mean, yeah, I guess if you want to throw him in there, whatever. And then I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, don't change your mind. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm and luckily for it. you, it didn't get vetoed, which seems to happen to happen. Uh, there were a couple <laughs> people who did veto it, but I don't think they realized what was going on at first. So um, I'm, a, I'm a dentist on Duke Johnson. He's had a couple of matchups the last few weeks that seem like they'd be favorable for running backs too. And we've just gotten nothing. I mean, that first game, uh, you know, when we were talking about it on Sunday morning, almost all of us uh, that posted about Duke Johnson figured he'd get around 100 total yards. He got 14 carries for 54 yards, no catches. Last week, 6.5 points in what ended up being a pretty high-scoring game against the Patriots who've allowed teams to run over them. So I, he's on my bench. He's an RB3. Yeah, I mean, we we just kind of mentioned it, obviously, in the in the previous episode earlier today that we're just kind of fading Duke Johnson out at this point, and and I am with both of you guys on that. With um, I will say we talked about this some on Friday, Dennis. The the getting back Walker in that secondary, the the Washington secondary wasn't that bad the other day. Do you guys feel that both Fuller and Cooks are going to be good plays this weekend? In, yeah, for, I, against Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. They're that's what they do. And and you know, Darren Fells has kind of been phased out a little bit, but Jordan Akins has come on, and Akins is the more athletic of those two tight ends. And then Pharaoh Brown, I think it is, has kind of stepped in, uh, kind of jumped Fells in the pecking order. So they do like to go to their tight ends, and w- Cooks and Will Fuller are are getting it done uh, from the wide receiver standpoint. So and then you know Kiki, you know Kiki Kuti is the undertaker all of a sudden back out of nowhere, <laughs> catching the touchdown pass with uh, Cobb likely out. Or Cobb, Cobb, out. Cobb is He's out. Down. I think Stills yeah. is going to be out again too. Yeah, still I was just looking. Yeah, Stills was he was limited today. Um, you know, then that puts Kuki. Are we going to see uh, the first active game for Isaiah Coulter? You know, that could Maybe. be something. He's he's a receiver like they don't have. 6'3", 215, good speed. You know, while the others, they've got some guys that do a lot of good things. Generally, they're in the six foot and under range and not, not big dudes. So it, it might be, you know, he may be their fourth receiver this week. Also, I mean, Detroit's secondary might be a little bit better, but last week they let Samuel and Moore and Anderson go over them, and I think we would all agree that Watson is a slightly better passer than P.J. Walker. Yeah. Ah, Schmidt. (laughs) All right, so let's go to the often infuriating Detroit Lions. Uh we got some good news from DeAndre Swift uh, right after me and Matt ended the podcast thinking he probably had no shot to play Thursday. He was down, he had a limited practice today. So obviously that's still something you have to watch tomorrow. He's got to get in another practice tomorrow before they will release him out of concussion protocol. I, I would imagine it's still almost going to be a game time decision. But with as bad as Houston's been against the run, if DeAndre Swift is out of concussion protocol, I am playing him. With you for you guys, if he is out of concussion protocol, is he the one you're playing? If he isn't, are you leaning AP or carry on Johnson this week against again a very good matchup in Houston? I, I think if if 
Swift plays, he's going to be a smash start. Um, Even if he splits time, he's just so dynamic and so explosive. So let's say they have 25 running back touches and Swift gets 11 of them and AP gets nine and carry on Johnson gets six. Swift is likely to triple the production of uh, Johnson and Peterson. So it's, you, you can't you can't avoid playing him if he if you have him. It sucks that there's so many games on Thursday because if something happens, you know, you, it, it may be hard to to make up for. If Swift is out, honestly, I kind of like Carry On Johnson. I think that the Peterson is a grinder. He's going to get you two or three yards, four yards, but they're likely only going to give him even if if Swift is out. Peterson's probably only going to get. 10, 12 carries. Um, and so I like carry on Johnson as the more athletic of the two and to probably catch a few passes as well. So it, it, I, if Swift doesn't play, I'm probably not playing either, either one of them. But if I had to play one of them, I'd go with Johnson. Yeah, that's where I'm at. You know, if Swift plays, I'm definitely playing him. If Swift doesn't play, I'm not playing either. They had a pretty favorable running back matchup with Carolina, who's been pretty generous to running backs. And I think Adrian Peterson managed uh, 1.8 points and Carrion managed 5.8 points. I'd rather take my chance. We don't have any buys this week. You know, this is the first week in, since week four where or since week three where we have yeah, but we all got 30, buys in week 13. I know, but we have yeah. all 32 <laughs> teams active and available this week. So I feel like I have a better option than having to suit up uh, DeAndre or uh, having to suit up carry on Johnson or Adrian Peterson on Thanksgiving Day. But maybe it's just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I have no choice, I'm probably going carry on like Dennis. I just Adrian Peterson had that plush matchup last week and got you a whopping 1.8 points. So I don't think I'm going to jump back on the Adrian Peterson train and hope for the best there. So if I had to choose one of those two, I'm going carry on. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier today, I would love for Swift to be able to go. I, I could really use him in two teams pushing for the playoffs right now. Uh, the bad news, which is the guy we thought was trending toward playing, Kenny Galladay went to downgraded to not practicing again today. So I think that really limits his shot of being able to play Thursday. Obviously, if he gets into practice tomorrow, they're saying he likely should be good to go. If not, what are you guys doing with these wide receivers? Is it just firing up Marvin Jones again? Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, Jones has been pretty productive as a, so with there being 16 games this week, I'm probably reluctant to start Marvin Hall or take a shot on Marvin Hall uh, or Amendola, who I think Amendola might be dinged up as uh, he's questionable. Yeah, he's questionable. Um, he's perpetually questionable. Yeah, <laughs> true. And, uh, you know, Quintez Cephas is their fourth receiver. Um, Hall is flashed, and Stafford's not afraid to go there. Uh, but Marvin Jones, if with Galladay out, I think Marvin Jones is the only comfortable start uh, at the wide receiver position for Detroit. Uh, you know, TJ Hawkinson is is going to be a top three tight end again. So it, for me, it's it's pretty much Stafford, Jones, and Hawkinson uh, if Swift is out. Hawkinson and Stafford still banged up too. I mean, Stafford has that thumb injury. You have to wonder if that was part of the poor performance. And Hawkinson was limited too. I think if Swift and Galladay don't play, the only one I'm starting is Hawkinson. I am a firm believer that the magic of Detroit on Thanksgiving means that they're going to find a way to win. But it could be the Quintez Cephas four touchdown game that no one saw coming or some other defensive shenanigans somebody's gonna score some running back you didn't know existed like last week when we saw Bo Scarborough running for Seattle and you're like when did that happen Detroit's gonna have some kind of magic like that that will win the game I'm not betting on it for my fantasy lineup (laughs) all right so who you guys picking to win this game I am taking Detroit Lions at home on Thanksgiving I'm taking the Texans. 
We talked about yeah. this earlier. I can't do it anymore. Hey, look, I'm five. I can't I'm, do it I'm, anymore. I'm five picks back. I'm happy for you to surrender. Hey, look, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, that's what I do. It's what I did last year, too. Remember, I was doing so well, and then I just crumpled down toward the end. I went from from being a, from being a, what's it called, really good to like a wet paper sack the last couple of weeks. I just, I, and I, I feel like that's continuing. I feel like I'm continuing to drop games here very quickly. So you're like a picking version of the real life Ravens. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. Uh, so, oh, man, why'd you have to go Ratbird? You could have gone like last year's Oakland Raiders. That at least made me feel a little bit better. Uh, game two, the three and seven Washington football team versus three and seven Dallas Cowboys. You know, this is going to sound crazy, but actually massive game right here for both of these teams. And could be shot. one of the better games in the day. Yeah, and a massive shot for the, one of these teams to possibly win this division. On a well, whoever side. wins it is going to be in first place. So, yeah, because yeah. good old Philly, good old Philly. McLaurin and Gibson are banged up. Both did not practice Monday. Washington at three and seven is right in the hunt. McLaurin, Gibson, and McKissick all seem like good plays here. If they go, what do you expect out of them against this Cowboys defense? Well, Gibson is gonna, um, you know, I think he's he. he I think he'll play, but McKissick has taken an o- taken over that passing down back role. Um, you know, he's getting what 10, 12, 700 targets a game. Um, you know, Alex Smith loves him some JD McKissick. You know, you need to find you a woman that loves you like Alex Smith loves JD McKissick. That's for damn sure. Uh, <laughs> but and and McKissick is He's not been terribly productive with the touches. Uh, I think he's only averaging like five yards of reception or something. But he's he's still getting them, and you know each reception counts for a point. Gibson will be uh, you know the the running back and have most of the carries. I think McLaurin plays. I I, I just traded McLaurin away. I'm very melancholy. But I'm trying to. I, I'm. It's it's the league that I'm in that has the highest buy-in, and I'm like bottom half of the playoff teams, and I'm just trying to. I, I have Ebron in my tight end, and I needed to get a tight end, and so I've been dealing with this guy for two weeks negotiating, and I ended up sending. Uh, and now, granted, I'm super deep at wide receiver, like we can start up to five and I'm like eight deep at wide receiver. And, and so, and I have Claypool, Deontay Johnson and Eric Ebron. So I'm very Steelers heavy, which gets me a little skittish. Now I wasn't able to get rid of, I, in, in this league, it's like nobody will trade for Johnson or, or Claypool. They're all like, no, we don't think Ben's going to be there, so we don't want – you know, if you want to throw him in, I'm like, fuck that, I'm not throwing in Chase Claypool right. or Deontay Johnson. So I ended up – I traded uh, Terry McLaurin and T. Higgins for uh, Allen Robinson and Jonu Smith and a second-round pick, maybe a third-round pick. I forget exactly, but I got – I mean, it was a, it, it was a fair deal. I, I like the deal. Uh, I just – man, it hurt me to give up T. Higgins – and it hurt me to give up Terry McLaurin. Now I still got Justin Jefferson and uh, Chase Claypool out of this wide receiver class, so it's not. You know, I got DJ Moore and Kenny Galladay and Julio Jones and uh, Deontay Kenny, Johnson, Chase Claypool. And, Kenny Galladay is the easy one for your bench because he doesn't actually play football anymore. That is correct. Yeah. Just wait though. Give him a couple more weeks. Uh, he'll he'll be there for the stretch run. Hall so wait. What you're saying is round about the time that you're pushing back from the table on Thanksgiving and you see Terry McLaurin catching his 15th pass for 175 yards and four touchdowns, you're, you're going to need a double helping of the pie. Well, I'm going to have the double helping of the pie anyways. I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but I, I apparently like pie. Um, but at a hundred, you know, with 15 passes, the way McLaurin plays, that would be somewhere around 750. Yards, yeah, not 150 yards. So, you know, 150 yards is probably five catches. Yeah, 
No, I mean, I think Terry's going to be good. I, I'm with you. I think Gibson and McLaren will play. I think they're probably giving them a little rest because of how important they are and the fact that they're actually in the midst of a competitive division race. Who knew? <laughs> you go three and seven, your first 10, and you're right where you want to be. Got them where we want them. And you know what's the greatest? No matter which of those teams that I imagine will still finish under 500 wins the division, they'll be at home for their first playoff game. So yep. it's going to be exciting. I think this is going to be a good game. Alex Smith, uh, he's not incredible, but he seems to have a poise and a uh, not-going-to-kill-you vibe that uh, Dennis Haskins, Dwayne Haskins couldn't uh, manage to muster. Dennis Haskins, principal building, probably couldn't have mustered that either. Um, huh. But I think all three of those guys will be pretty good, and it's a soft matchup, the Cowboys' defense looked you know did enough to win against the vikings but they still let adam Thielen, justin jefferson and dalvin cook run all over them yeah i'm i'm kind of in on mclaurin um more mclaurin and gibson than i am mckissick while mckissick's been good the past couple weeks he hasn't quite put up those numbers he did the first couple games with alex smith so i i would think it probably goes up a little bit going up against that bad uh, Cowboys defense, but I think it's more Gibson and McLaurin for me. On the Cowboys side here, really the only big injury question is Greg the leg, but he should be good to go. Cowboys looked good in beating the Vikings Sunday. Can Dalton rally this team to make a run in the NFC East? Zeke went over 100 yards. Will he keep it up? And Zeke, Lamb, and Cooper, are they all starts here for you guys? Yes. Uh, I, I think, you know, Zeke is still running hard. The challenge has been the offensive line uh, hasn't been great this year. And after they lost Dak, the offense has not had terrific balance either. There hasn't been that same downfield threat. Um, but I, I, I think you fire up Zeke, even against a tough Washington defense, Uh him and Pollard, I think, uh, will make some plays. Uh, but I mean, if you got Zeke, I, uh, unless you unless you somehow manage to have like Cook and, and Aaron Jones, uh, you know, you you're going to start Zeke. Yeah, there aren't 24 running backs that you yeah. prefer over Zeke. I I also wonder. So the Cowboys line the last couple of weeks they've gotten a couple of pieces back, which seems to have helped them. I also, if we recall, this first matchup against Washington was the one where they committed a savage act of murder on Andy Dalton, knocked him unconscious, and the Cowboys were heavily criticized for not showing much fire and not showing much care for their teammate. I wonder they always get a little bump when they're playing at home on thanks. <laughs> all the red-haired people in the audience we're very sorry um i also they get a little bit of i'm playing at home on thanksgiving anyway i wonder if they don't come out a little bit hard and a little bit chippy to kind of a tone sorry I, I, I go ahead dennis i was sad i don't know you, know, you have to be careful with the chippiness i mean the last thing you want to do is lose some of your top line players because they do something yeah. stupid or they retaliate and they're, they, they're the second I guess, one and they get seen. I guess I more mean blowing off the ball and trying to road grade the front right? for Washington. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. I, you know, we just literally talked about it a couple hours ago. It, it was promising to see Zeke Lamb and, uh, and Omari look the way that they did with Dalton being back. We had all kind of, me and Dennis had kind of mentioned on Friday that we thought, Dalton and this team would look a little bit better kind of getting that oops sorry getting the whole like a week of bye week or not bye week but the the yeah the bye week the bye week to kind of get more into the offense everything with Dalton coming back so So how about that shape shifter catch that CD Lamb made oh it was so good I I mentioned it earlier I thought it was a catch of the year candidate man that it was an amazing catch I I loved it but then you know meanwhile I uh, I had my own Dennis yeah after trading after trading CD Lamb for fucking Calvin Ridley and watching the corpse of the Falcons offense on Sunday, I thought, well, that happened. Yeah. yeah. So right, that means so you only have like what seven shares of CD Lamb left? I think I, think I have more than that. I think I have like <laughs> 10 or 15. I am taking uh, the Washington football team to win this game. Who are you guys picking? I got Washington as well. 
Give me the Cowboys. Picked them last week. Can't I, Andy Dalton? I can't, can't abandon just, just like the Detroit Lions. You can't abandon ship now. <laughs> Might as well just keep on going. All right, we the last game of the day, at least up until this morning's news or yesterday's news, looked like it could be a good game here. Tentative Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, it's also this is the game that's most likely to possibly get punted. That is true. I mean, they have had uh, per Mark Maskey uh, ten positive tests over the last few days. Five players, yeah. five staff. So I would say if they get a bunch more tomorrow, they probably will punt the game to Sunday. Possibly. Yeah. Well, I know the, the last players that came in for Baltimore were, I don't want to say like players that don't matter, but they were players that don't matter. So, <laughs> uh, six and four Baltimore Ravens at the 10 and O Pittsburgh Steelers, JK Dobbins and Mark. So Ingram are I, out Hollywood COVID. Brown tested positive for <laughs> stucking. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, Mark Andrews has been limited with a thigh injury. And as Dennis just mentioned, we've had more and more cases popping up for Baltimore. They closed their facility today. Assuming this game gets played, is Gus Edwards going to carry the load? And do you guys have any thoughts on the value for Justice Hill in this game? Well, we, we know why Harbaugh wouldn't shake hands now because he knew he was positive, right? Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that Justice Hill – has a lot of upside. I think he's going to get some passing game work just because Gus Edwards isn't terrific in the passing game. But it's going to end up being a game where uh, Lamar Jackson is going to have to play his best game of the year. He's going to have to actually be be able to hit the receivers. And I don't know, maybe – you know, they go back and look at some of last year's tape when Jackson was successful and they start doing some of that stuff because uh, clearly they're, they're not if, – if they are doing it, they're not doing it well. Uh, but it seems like getting Jacket out, Jackson out of the pocket uh, – and I, you know, you hate to say shut down half of the field, but if you're rolling right, you don't want him throwing all the way back across to the left side of the field. So – you know, flood one side, go three levels with him, and let him pick who's open. and And if nobody's open, run it. But get him out there on the move. Uh, I think Andrews is going to be fine. Uh, and uh, you know, but we we've seen Gus have some really explosive plays, some solid games. It wouldn't surprise me if if Edwards went, you know, seventeen for eighty. Um, but I, I don't know that he's really going to catch much, catch many passes. Uh, I don't know. The, it's been amazing just how poor the connection between Jackson and Brown has been. I mean, well, Willie Snead had a 100-yard game. <laughs> what, what connection? <laughs> yeah. Will, I mean, Willie Snead, Des Bryant, you know, Miles Boykin, but no, Willie, no, no uh, Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I mean, I think Gus Edwards is probably going to be good for 23 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown to achieve his 12.1 points. Um, Hill, if you were really desperate um, and had no options, he's somebody you probably get off the waiver wire that I imagine will have a few points. But they're not a huge passing to the running back team, which is part of the problem we've even seen with, uh, with Dobbins, who we wanted to get more involved in pass catching. I just... There's something fundamentally wrong with the Ravens. I don't think a short week with uh, a batch of COVID and no practice is really going to correct that for them. Yeah, I'm I'm not really worried about Justice Hill at all and in, in making a big impact, which of course means he's going to get like 20 points on on Thursday night. It's going to it's going to be ridiculous. But if you've got Gus Bus, I think I'm rolling Gus Edwards. I, I'm not expecting Baltimore to have a huge game here. Uh, with Des was Des Des Bryant was the top receiver in Week 11. Is he a decent pickup for you guys? And as redraft specifically, obviously we're not dropping him in dynasty leagues. Redraft specifically, is it time to get rid of Marquise Brown? I you know I don't know if I could if if it was time. But I guess it depends on your options. If you're looking at it, if you set your lineup and there's still 
one or two guys ahead of him that you're like, I'm definitely starting these guys over Brown as well. You know, then you're probably it's probably safe to cut him in redraft, uh, put him out there, let somebody else pick him up for his breakout game, uh, which as soon as you cut him will invariably happen. Um, <laughs> but it, it's the the passing game in general for Baltimore has been so inconsistent. Uh, I mean, they they have I, I just looked they've only 44 pass attempts to the running backs. Or 44 targets to the running backs. So, I like you said, I don't know that Justice Hill is going to save your day if, unless he can break one. Uh, but Hollywood Brown, man, it's – I don't know. I wasn't huge on him coming out of college, and I've – I don't know that I roster him anywhere. I'd have to look. If I do, it's probably only uh, one share across 22 teams. And it was probably because, oh, well, I don't have any of this guy on any of my teams. I might as well take a shot here. You're You're muted, Matt. Which I hate it when that happens. (laughs) Yeah, well, every week at some point. Uh, we're pretty much past the bye weeks, so I think for me, especially in redraft, you're, if you are in position to be in the playoffs, you pretty much did it without uh, Hollywood Brown. And as I'm looking to build a playoff roster, I'm asking myself, is there ever a time when I'm in a must-win game that I'm going to feel good sticking him in there? And my answer right now is no, so I probably would jettison him. That would be the same reason I wouldn't be grabbing Des Bryant unless I was totally desperate. Yeah, uh, I mean, a guy that I picked up off waivers last week in a redraft league, Michael Pittman Jr. He's still only rostered in about 30% of leagues. I'm dropping him for Pittman in a heartbeat. There's players that I think I'd drop him for. You know, we mentioned uh, Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers, another. Who was the other one we talked about in the in the episode earlier? I can't remember now. Um. It's Demir Bird and somebody else. Let me see if I – I mean, I can pull it up. I can go back. We just did it earlier. This shouldn't be too hard to find. There we go. Look, oh, I'm we the talk- old Des guy Bryant. that forgets shit. Des Bryant. Des Bryant. Yeah, we Excuse talked me. about Des, but not. that's not somebody I'm yeah. running out to grab. I'm dropping him out of spite. I don't even care if the if the, my opponent picks him up and then he goes off and beats me. I just – I can't have – Marquise Florida man Brown on my team anymore. It's just not happening anymore. Well, and another not- guy that we talked about – not a ton of people are rostering Corey Davis. You know, if he's no, out there, yeah. I'd rather ha- I'd rather have him than Marquise Brown because that's a passing offense that's at least looked functional at times. Yes, I, I am with you. And you know, had one positive, one negative test for Adam Thielen. That's not good. All right, uh, for the Pittsburgh side here, Juju Smith-Schuster still dealing with the ankle injury. Uh, Deontay Johnson has been on a tear. Do you guys think that continues this week? Yes. I hope so. Dude's yes, good. I, that's I why also I think it continues. I, <laughs> I mean, that's why I couldn't hey, believe I'm trying like, to table for him all year. I'm trying to trade him as like I think I might have offered him straight up for Janu. And the guy's like, no, I just I don't really you I'm know, not into the Pittsburgh receivers. I think Ben's gone after this year and they're not all into tied him. to Ben. I'm you like, don't gotta date him, friend. You just put yeah. him in your lineup trying to win. Well, so, so here's the thing. I want Deontay Johnson almost not quite the Corey Davis stigma, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Nick in, in the first episode, Matt. Same thing with Corey Davis. Like you can get Corey Davis for cheap, even though he's been highly productive all this year. People still look at him and say, nah, it's Corey Davis. He's not gonna do a thing. For whatever reason, people don't realize Deontay Johnson's been really good this year. They just think they think of, oh, well, he's injured all the time. Well, yeah, he was injured for like a three-game window where he was. He was beat up, kind of screwed you in two weeks because he got knocked out in the games early. But then after that, he's been just absolutely dominant down the stretch. So, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I pretty much got him for Preston Williams straight up. I love Preston Williams, but if you're asking which one I need to have, it's Deontay Johnson, no doubt about it. So, I... I hope so. I feel like because I need him to go off this week, though, he's going to get you like five points and because I'm going to get crushed. I'm projected to lose right now 110 to 134 in a league that I need to win. So not thrilled about my chances in that game right now. It is what it is. You know, 
cry go don't cry for me alabama right and that and that how the saying goes uh um, argentina alabama argentina, same whatever. thing they're the same <laughs> countries right <laughs> uh are you comfortable it's a different country it is. It is. I'm pretty sure it's part of a bigger one, but I could be wrong. Who knows? As as I tell the the program uh, guys, when I jump on there, I'm just here to breathe. I'm really not good at anything else. It's just, it's, I'm, I, you know, that that's about what I'm good for. Uh, are you guys comfortable starting Juju with the injury if they say that he's going to play? You know, I think Juju has settled in as you know he's. He's the third receiver there, and he's going to give you some blow-ups. But it all comes down to what are your options. Uh, I I think that he's sort of wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside right now. So chances are you might have two better players to start, but he's likely going to at least end up in your flex spot. I like Juju. If they say that he's playing in a rivalry game, I, you know, I might be tempted to play him depending on what my options are. I personally am leaning more toward. I think they might sit him. They're ten and zero. They're looking at uh, going into the playoffs. He had that freak injury. It's a short week. Uh, I don't think that they have to press to play him. You know, they still have Claypool. They have Johnson. James Washington could come in. Ebron's there. They could always remember that they have James Conner and run the ball. So that would help me a lot. That would help so many of us. So, and I actually think on a short week against the Ravens, they are going to try to grind and run more anyway. So I wouldn't be surprised if he sits. Well, my initial pass at the rankings, I've got Juju at 30. I feel like maybe moving him down. Gotcha. Maybe towards 36 or so. Matt, you mentioned you think that uh, the that Pittsburgh might go more run heavy, and, and Connor that means could likely have a big game. Is that something you guys could see happening against a Ravens team that is more susceptible right now to the run with the injuries they've had on that defensive line? Oh yeah, I think you know Connor has showed himself to be well, maybe not necessarily durable, but he's tough and he plays through injuries. He knows the difference between an injury and and being just dinged up. He plays in pain. He's a solid player. Uh, I could see Connor getting, you know, 17 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown and, you know, one pass reception. You know, unfortunately for him, while he's kind of capable as a pass receiver, you know, some some weeks it's like it's all James Connor, and other weeks it's all James Connor running the ball but somebody else out of the backfield catching it. And those those kind of screw you up when they do that because you could really use those PPR points and yardage there. Yeah, I feel like the biggest problem for James Conner the last couple of weeks has seemed to be him getting vultured uh, at the goal yeah. line. Goal uh, line, but, Benny Snell? And that's like his only carry. He just falls in the right. field. And yeah. When they played earlier this year, uh, Conner – uh, scored a touchdown. He only played Baltimore one time last year, but in that game he scored a touchdown. I think he has done pretty well uh, against the Ravens. And like you said, the Ravens have had trouble. I, I think especially on a short week, they may try to shorten the game, uh, shorten the hits. And you do that by running it down, you know, running it down. And also in that kind of division rivalry, they like to out physical one another. And you would do that by kind of dominating the line of scrimmage and running. All right. I am taking Pittsburgh. Are either one of you taking Baltimore to win this game? Nope. Not me. Nope. Pittsburgh. All right. So that does it for the Thanksgiving games. Again, you guys can uh, follow any of us, jump in our Discord. We will have rankings up tomorrow to help that with help you guys with start sits if you need them. Again, just hit any of us up. On Twitter, we can give you guys a link to that, or you can go to the website, musiccitydriving.com, for that. Playoff time. Let's talk about our playoff team. So right now, 
In the AFC, which is by far going to be the more fascinating conversation, I think, Bills are sitting at the current leaders of the AFC East at 7-3, and three. Pittsburgh 10-0 and in the North, Colts 7-3 and three in the South, Chiefs 9-1 and one in the West. Uh, the top wild cards right now, the Browns at 7-3, and three, Titans at 7-3, and three, and the Raiders at 6-4 and four with the Ravens and Dolphins at 6-4 and four just outside the playoff picture right now. Who wants to go first on giving what they think is going to finish out the season uh, and what their playoff prediction is going to be? I don't. What do you mean, finish out the season? I just so you're just doing your. Don't don't give me. Yeah, don't give me the Super Bowl or anything like that. I'm actually going to go back all through that. Just like, who do you think's gonna? How do you think the final seven seeds will play out for the AFC? Who's making the playoffs this year? Well, I have the Steelers finishing as the one seed. Well, I don't expect them to go undefeated. I do expect them to uh, win at least one more game than the Chiefs, uh, who I have at the two seed. The Bills, three. The Colts, four. Titans are the first wild card team. Uh, Browns, second. And Raiders uh, take that brand-new seventh spot in the playoffs. Yeah, so for me it was a little little bit tougher. I I went through and played out the matchups. I think Pittsburgh ends up going 14 and two. I also had Kansas city at 14 and two. And apparently uh, whatever tiebreakers it uses, it would put Kansas city on top on the, the kind of playoff projection site we use. So I flipped mine and have Kansas city as the one seed, uh, which remember this year, only the top seed gets a bye week. So kind of a, makes that race for number one a little more interesting you know in years past when you've had teams that were in one and two position that were close sometimes they rested players anyway because it didn't really matter that much looking at matchups matters a lot more now so i have kansas city one pittsburgh uh in at the two seed bills coming in at the three seed i have the titans winning the south and going the four seed then fifth seed raiders sixth browns and seventh seed the colts I did not have the Ravens or Dolphins making a comeback into the playoff picture. So riddle me this, Matt, man. If the Chiefs are going to be 14-2 per your estimation, and they're already three games up on the Raiders, Mm -hmm. what's the incentive for them to play starters in Week 17? Because if the Chiefs only lose one more game, the Raiders can't make up three games. It's to get the one seed and to get the bye. Yeah, to get the bye. Because that's what, I mean, like we talked about this in the last episode. I mean, a little bit different, but that was brought up with the Steelers, for instance. If, say, the Steelers are sitting there both tied at one and they have the one seed, what's their incentive to play in Week 17 against Cleveland? Because they don't want the Browns to make the playoffs you know Big Ben damn well would love to go into Cleveland and knock them out of a playoff chance. But, but also, the, one, the difference that between game. the one and the two seed is much yeah, bigger no than buy. it's ever been. Yeah, no buy. The bye week. Yeah, that's you have to play after just talking to, about it. Yeah, you have to play in the wild card round. So, you know, yeah. let's say we think the Colts are, you know, the, either Colts, Browns, or Raiders make the playoffs. Those are not easy teams to play, and you – if you went 14 and two and end up having to play them the first weekend, shoot the chiefs lost at home to the Raiders yeah. already. So we definitely know those kind of things are, are like, possible. I, mean, I don't think there's an easy team in the AFC regardless. It's we were talking about the NFC this way last year. It's definitely the AFC. The NFC is taking a little bit of a step back. Um, minor. Well, I, pre- I feel like, I feel like the, the, the chiefs have four losable games on their schedule still. I think Tampa, yeah. Miami, New Orleans. Oh, I don't think Tampa's losing. And, yeah. and the Chargers. <laughs> I'm kind of with you on that. I actually well, have them losing they're to playing the at, uh, They're playing what... in Tampa, and Tampa's defense the... is, is good. You know, and, and yeah, while well, Brady is inconsistent. Tampa's but... defense exists. That's as far as I'm yeah. ready to go at this point yeah. in time. For whatever reason, primetime Brady has not been good this year in primetime, and I imagine that game is going to get flexed. I actually think it already is the Sunday night game, but mine are pretty close to Matt's here. So 
Um, I I went back through and redid it. I do have the Steelers losing two games. I do think they I do think they'll lose to the Bills in a couple weeks, and I do have them losing to the Browns in Week 17. That might be a little bit of a homer pick, but that's what evens it out with me for the Chiefs because I actually do have the Chiefs losing the Chargers as well uh, because Justin Herbert almost got it done, and God damn it, I want my Rookie of the Year candidate to do something good. Well, to kind of seal that 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 award. So I've got him winning that game. I mean, but I, I agree with you. I think they lose to the Bills, but I think they're going to – I think they beat the Browns. Well. Uh, fuck. It's not going to be a happy Thanksgiving for him now. Yeah, I know. Thanks a lot. Jeez. Uh, no, uh, so – but with that, if regardless if they end up tied in record, as Matt just mentioned, for what, whatever the reason is, I don't understand it, but the Chiefs do have that tiebreaker over them for some reason, so they would get the one seed. So the Chiefs end up becoming my one seed, which puts Pittsburgh as my two seed. They would get uh, the Titans in the wild card game, who's my seven seed. Bills are my three seed. They would get the Browns, who are my six seed, and then the Colts, who are my four seed, would play the Raiders as the five seed, which I actually think would be oh, fairly good games all around. I think that'd be a good weekend, which is actually very interesting because in our original picks, I'm pretty sure the Bills-Brown matchup was the one I had as well. The only difference was I had the Ravens in the playoffs, and they are not going to make it, and Dolphins will just miss out as well. I have the Ravens finishing at 10-6, and six, but just missing out because of the Raiders finishing at 12-4. and four. And the Titans finishing at eleven and five, and the Dolphins coming in at nine and seven. Actually, so close, but no cigar for the Dolphins. Um, we'll all save these. So as we get closer to the thing, we'll see how close we were, and then obviously once the playoffs start, we'll actually pick our our winners throughout. I don't want to do this again because I actually don't think we were that far off. Outside of all of us, I'm pretty sure having the Ravens in. And then I yeah. think the only big difference was me and Matt had the Broncos in and Dennis, I know, had the Patriots. That's probably our one big miss because I think everybody had the Ravens in there. So I think me and Matt having the Broncos in, Dennis having the Patriots is probably our biggest miss on this list. Because well, those are the ones that I saw that were pretty – well, I take that back. There's also one notable miss that Tony might rub our noses in. None of us had the Colts doing anything this year. So that's probably the one where, yeah. Our oh, bad, well. Tony. Our bad. Philip Rivers is a lot better than we thought he was going to be. All right, so moving on to the NFC. I'll do mine first. So on the NFC side here, I had the Saints Well, let's do winning. the current, the current oh, yeah, standings. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Are, so current the standings, Eagles are leading in the East at a pitiful 3-6-1. Yeah, 3-6-1, yeah. Look, the division championship is a division uh, championship. That's what I said on the last episode. That is very true. In five years, we won't be rem- we won't remember that the Eagles won five games and won the championship or their their division. It'll be they've won their division three years in a row a couple of years ago. So, so then the pack the Packers are on top of the North at seven and three. The Saints are actually the one seed currently in the and in the South at eight and two. Rams currently the leaders in the West at seven and three. The current uh, wild cards would be Seahawks seven and three, Buccaneers seven and four, Cardinals six and four in the hunt. And this is just the saddest in the hunt group ever. The Chicago Bears five and five, the Minnesota Vikings four and six, the Detroit Lions four and six, the San Francisco 49ers four and six, and the Cowboys, Giants, and Washington all three and seven. Basically, right, the so, entire NFC is in the hunt. Yeah. Uh, based on my picks that I, I was just messing with a minute ago, I have got the Saints ending up with the one seed, so they get the bye. My two seed is Seattle, who gets the seventh seed Rams. Three seed Green Bay, who gets the sixth seed Buccaneers, which Tom Brady never has made the playoffs as a wild card team. I found that out last night watching the game. He's always won his division, which I thought was pretty interesting. And then the big one, the one that I'm very curious to see how you guys have my four seed being the Washington football team finishing seven and nine and making the playoffs against the Arizona Cardinals, who are the five seed. All right, I'll go next. I had uh, the Saints as a one seed, uh, Seahawks winning the West as a two seed. Uh, Packers three seed winning the North. I have the Dallas Cowboys as the four seed uh, winning the 
the sorry NFC East. Uh, top wild card, fifth seed Rams, so that'd be Rams at Cowboys, uh, and then sixth seed Buccaneers, who would travel to play the Packers, and seventh seed Cardinals, who would go to the Seahawks, setting up the third showdown between those two teams that split okay. two incredible games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I have uh, Green Bay coming in number one on the uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers FU tour, <laughs> and. Uh, the Saints, you know, I think Breeze, he's going to be out at least two other games. I I feel like I'm I I'm still not buying Taysom Hill. <laughs> I I just I mean, you you guys can look at parse your stats all you want. All I keep seeing is that Emmanuel Sanders 15-yard underthrow completion that Sanders saved his behind on. Uh, I think I, I just I'm I just don't I, I'm not buying Taysom Hill. Uh, I have the Rams coming in at three, winning the West, uh, and the Washington Football Team at four, winning the NFC East. Seahawks are my first wild card team, followed by the Buccaneers and then the Cardinals. I just feel yeah. like that the Washington Football Team they have a good defense. Alex Smith is careful, and they have some explosive players. Yeah, and I just feel like that combination of cautious leadership, quarterback play, and a defensive line that makes the other two levels of the defense better. Uh, I just feel like that's a there's there's an opportunity there for them to come in, you know, at at, at five and eleven to be the champ of that division. God, yeah. Five and <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, it's going to be. And that's, again, why this game matters so much this weekend or Thursday night. It's going to be this. It's a huge step for whichever one of those teams wins that well, game. Because if Washington does win that game, they will have swept the season series with Dallas, which would yep. be a huge, a huge edge. Yeah, a huge feather in their cap. All right. So is that it? Oh, picks. Go ahead yep. and give the pick update. All right. Well, also brace yourselves. If uh, if all you care about is football, we are very quickly going to be transitioning to uh, the savior of 2020 entertainment, Baby Yoda. But uh, in the picks challenge uh, for our network competition, you are still out in front. You had a pretty good week uh, last week, have 104 correct. I am in second now uh, with 99. I closed the gap on you a little bit, and I overtook my wife, which I, I doubt seriously is going to last. She's at 96. Uh, Dennis is at 92, and then Ricky at 82. In our Discord picks group, uh, the big the big news, Justin's been chasing Rob for a while, finally moved past him last week, sitting at 108 correct picks. Rob now in second with 106. You are only four back at 104. I feel like your time is coming. Maybe. We'll see. You know, I don't know. I'm Like I said, I feel like I'm going down like a wet paper sack here as of uh, late. All right, so give a couple more minutes here, to, or a couple few, few more seconds in case you have think- not watched the newest episode. Dennis, I don't know if you want to if if you want to be a part of this or not. I don't know if you're a big uh, Mandalorian fan or not. So I'm not hundred percent. I wouldn't on that. say I'm not a fan. Uh-huh. I, I, what what what's it on? What platform? D- Disney Plus. Yeah, Plus. so I still have Disney Plus. I mean, I have Verizon, so I could have Disney Plus. I just you know I can only I can only handle so many platforms of stuff, and with football, you know, between. 15 to 20 hours of editing a week and doing rankings and doing the show uh, and trying to not get divorced because I ignore my wife. Uh, you know, uh, something's got to give. So uh, I, I, I'll, we can talk below deck Mediterranean if you'd like. I have no idea what that is. I will. Oh, it's terrible. It. it makes me want to poke my eyes out, but my wife likes the show. So I will tell you that most Mandalorian episodes are between 35 and 40 minutes. So it's not a huge commitment. But yeah, I mean, I, right. I do get what Dennis is saying. That depends on the depends on the wife. Because, you know, I'm lucky enough that my wife actually enjoys Mandalorian somewhat. So I do get time for that. And I'm lucky enough that she's never here for all this because this this would not be going on as much as it does if my no. wife did not work nights. So 
I love my wife and she's fabulous. And I'm more than happy to sacrifice that time to watch the shows that make her happy. I think she's right on the other I think she's right on the other side of this while listening. So I just needed to make sure that was clear. That's why sometimes yeah. I'm following games on the phone and uh, yeah. watching Hallmark on the TV with, uh, yeah. with my loved one. I get, to, I get to watch a lot of Station 19, Grey's Anatomy, Good Doctor. Not, uh, I'm not gonna, uh, I, you know what? I won't lie. We, I kind of like Grey's Anatomy, our... so I won't, I won't lie to you guys. Man. I enjoy I, it. You know, I watch we, that one without my wife now. So <laughs> we, watched, we watched probably the first – Seven or eight seasons of Grey's yeah. Anatomy, or six uh, seasons. I don't forget how many, but for whatever like, reason, they're on like just, eighteen now. So yeah, no. So it might have been close to ten when when Meredith's sister became more of the primary focus. That was when we kind of faded. Hey, good away. news for you, they killed her, and I don't even feel bad that that's a spoiler because that was like eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I would watch without my wife matt but she would literally kill me so that would hey, it's not just happening. nice to know that when mandalorian ends our uh, our hot stove thursday can just switch over to uh gray sloan memorial yeah there we go all right so mandalorian let's let's talk it I've, we've given you guys kind of enough uh, opportunity if you don't want to if you don't want anything spoiled for you you could bail uh, so episode four, the siege, we see the return to Ro- Navarro, not Tatooine as I thought it was. Cause I, I did mess that up last week uh, for a more action oriented episode. What did you think overall, Matt? I mean, I thought it was really good. It was one of their most uh, action packed episodes. Um, I've actually, I, people know, cause I talked about it last year. We actually got to go to Disney to go on the new ride, star Wars rise of the resistance. My friend uh, Michelle, who was who has also been to Disney and gotten to go on Ride of the Resistance, we were talking about um, the the action sequence at the end. Actually, reminded me a little bit of the kind of way they have that ride set up with a drop and you're okay. escaping from an Imperial base. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I I thought it was a good episode. It was one of the all time Baby Yoda episodes with. Uh, his little segment in the beginning that was hilarious. Uh, his segment at the schoolhouse that was hilarious, and then especially with the Tie Fighter scene at the end, um, it was it was really good. It was good to see Grief Karga and Cara Dune again. It was good to see the action on Navarro, and you get some little pieces of uh, the ongoing plot, maybe a little bit of where they're going. Yeah, uh, it was good to see uh, to Grief and Kara. I will say I'm a big fan of um, what's her name in real life. Gina Carano. Looks like she's put on a little weight. She's got a little thick. And she also looks like she's uh, cause she's she like also 40. was a UFC champion. So she, yes, I know. Well, so that's the part that no, 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 no. Maybe, maybe when she returns, she's hand. moving up in class. I don't know. No, no. So here's what I mean. Not, I'm not talking about fat. I'm talking about, she's gotten thick. And the <laughs> fact that I wonder if like, maybe well, you're behind man. UFC. Well, you're behind. <laughs> Let me finish. Let me finish. The, keep the UFC career, the UFC career, keep and her getting older has like look. She just didn't look like she was moving very well. She looked like she was struggling to move a little bit. I was trying to say, I wonder if like the UFC beating on her body and everything in older age, like she was not like her running was not like sold very well to me as like actual running. That's all I was trying to say. Jeez. All right. So anyway, Gina Carano, if you're listening. I always welcome you, on the show. You are always we, welcome. We'll on the wait show. for you to verbally beat down. Yeah, no, you, you can. I'll, I'll send you my address. You can come like dismantle me with one hand. It's cool. I'd probably enjoy it actually. So, man, I'm not gonna lie. You're an attractive woman. I'd enjoy it. I love you, by the way, Paul. If you're watching this, you're probably not. So, <laughs> anyways. Uh, the group does, as Matt mentioned, attack an Imperial base. The the kind of cool thing you get to find out is you discover some scientific experiments. What is it that you think they're doing? It's definitely linked to Baby Yoda, as you find out from the transmission there uh, that went to uh, Ali, uh, Moss Gideon. Moff Gideon, I'm Moff sorry. Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Yeah. I mean, it certainly we, we've noted before how the Empire, and then especially the First Order, uh, looked a little Nazi-esque uh, yeah. at times, and you know could have been some of the inspiration. This whole uh, genetic modification experiments that they've got going on uh, definitely felt a little bit like the Dr. Mengele experiments. Um, it looked like they were definitely tr- 
maybe trying to make a Jedi. It sounded like when they took his blood, they were trying to extract the midichlorians and give him, give somebody force ability, which didn't look like it took very well. Um, so kind of curious if they're trying to make super soldiers, if they're trying to make their own kind of like dark Jedi, we already know Moff Gideon stole the dark saber. Uh, so fancies himself a little bit in, in that realm. Uh, so that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, that was my thoughts. When when you find out that they were using, obviously, Baby Yoda's blood to kind of put in the son of a gun. Keep clicking on that. Uh, to, to put into those, uh, to the test subjects and everything, I wondered if that's what they were trying to do, is kind of create yeah. their own Jedis and maybe someone that they could try and control. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously you get another big kind of spoiler, which we'll, we'll talk about here toward uh, the end. Uh, you kind of already mentioned this was an epic episode for, for Baby Yoda. Uh, what did you think of his arc and what was your favorite moment in the episode? My favorite was definitely when he was treating the the Tie Fighter fight like a roller coaster, complete with the ending when he, yes. you know, when he vomits it all out. That's been some of the best uh, memes of the week. But I thought they they did a really great job using him well. That beginning sequence, I know you're a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, reminded me a little mm-hmm. bit of Baby Groot with the no, don't touch the button, don't touch the yeah. button. And then then he, you know, put it together. That was pretty fun. I thought the sequence in the class. Uh, you know, was a little bit of fan service, but it was also a lot of fun when he steals that kid's cookies. Yeah, that was my favorite part, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that he, he stole the cookies. That was that was probably my favorite part. Just the kid, like, just looking at him, and he's just holding them and just eating. That that was my favorite part. But I, I did like the Tie Fighter uh, part as well. Um, before I get to the to the reveal part, because I do think this kind of plays into it as well. So you find out in the last couple seconds of the episode that one of the mechanics that was working on the Razor Crest when he landed at Navarro clearly works for uh, the whatever they are at this point, it, just the Imperials, whatever you want to call them, because they're not the First Order yet, obviously. Um, has put a tracker on the Razor Crest, and Moff Gideon now knows that they have he has Baby Yoda and where he's going. So that is likely leading towards some kind of final battle, or however you want to put it, between those two. But that also could lead into the next episode, which you showed me the other day. It's titled "The Jedi," and it is written and directed by Dave. What's his last name? Filoni. Filoni. Okay, because I was going to be like Filoni. So, all right. So, Dave Filoni. Uh, what are you expecting to see from this? And where do you think this season is leading in the back half now as we are halfway through the season? So, we had wondered last week, when are we going to see Ahsoka Tano? Because yeah. um, they, they teased out that that's who he was going to find. We already know Ahsoka Tano got cast as Rosario Dawson in this season. But the fact this is Dave Filoni's episode that he wrote and directed, he's the one that did, gave us Clone Wars to kind of you know, built Ahsoka Tano into canon. And the fact they're calling it the Jedi um, pretty well gives away that I, I think we see her at some point now. It could be the very end of the episode uh, because yeah. they've, they've done that plenty of times before, but I think we're going to see her. I think where it's building is obviously the Moff Gideon and the Empire is starting to come after them. You have to figure at some point in time they're going to probably catch up. My my wonder is if a lot of this season is if this season has a very empire strikes back kind of ending where they lose the child at mm-hmm. the end. And next season is about, you've seen like the planting seeds, Cara Dune, are you going to go back and join the rebels? We talked about last week, the empire, which they're very much calling themselves and acting and have the uniforms of the empire that we thought was yeah. destroyed in Jedi does not exist when you get to force awakens it's transformed into the first order seems to be kind of a parallel but different organization that gives them a lot of runway to potentially be rooting out the empire we've seen um the alliance you know we've seen tie fighters we've seen them kind of building and trying to patrol the hey are you going to come back and join amando obviously got close to those people if ahsoka tano you know they find a jedi start pulling some people in. I'm wondering if next season is really a fight to destroy the empire and get the child back. That would be, that'd be awesome. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens as well. I obviously I kind of hope that they don't do the one thing where you just see, you know, his hang on. What? 
Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm hoping it's not one of those things where you don't see her till the very end of the episode. Now, I'm, I'm sure they're not just going to kick the episode right off with you seeing no. her in kind of the whole episode, but I would think you're probably getting at least hopefully some of this episode and episode six with her and kind of them coming together. I do think that it's going to be a once he finds her, I, I don't think it's going to be an episode thing where you find her, whatever, and then it's kind of over with. I think it's going to be what you were just saying. It's going to there. She's going to be here the rest of the season because it's going to lead to some kind of final battle with Moff Gideon. And then what happens from there? I'd be curious to see if that's what they do. Is if if Baby Yoda mm-hmm. does end up getting kidnapped and what they do? We already know they got renewed for season three, uh, so. As much as we love it, I would feel like they've got to advance the story in some way to where it's not just him and Baby Yoda traveling the galaxy together all the time. You've got to find something to kind of bring people in for a, a different kind of season three. Well, and it would almost make sense a little bit to me based on his mission and everything when he finds Ahsoka Tano, who's another Jedi, that he maybe leaves the child with her because his whole mission, you know, while we yeah. don't want to see him separated, has been he was tasked with returning the child. We know he felt some pull to join the other Mandalorians in their fight to, to secure Mandalore. So what if he feels like he completed his mission, he gives the child to a Jedi and child ends up getting taken from there and he gets pulled kind of back in. That would make sense kind of tonally with where the show's going too. Yeah, so we've got, I mean, obviously, for most people, hopefully, you're off Friday, so that new episode drops Friday. I still won't get to watch it until Friday night because my wife has to work, so that kind of sucks. I'll have to... Make sure you don't send anything in the chat for a while because I can't talk about. It. I won't be able to watch it till like nine o'clock Friday night. I don't I'm, usually send you spoilers. Oh, I know, I know. Some people do. You don't, Ricky. If you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to it though. Can't wait. Obviously, for everybody. <laughs> If you still stuck around, still see there's a few of you guys still watching. Thank you guys so much. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgivings. Hopefully you guys all are off of work. And even if you're not allowed to have family there, you can at least relax and enjoy at least one day as 2020 has kind of kicked the shit out of all of us. So everybody try and enjoy your weekends. If you can, good luck in your fantasy matchups. We will be back probably earlier than usual on Friday since I think all three of us are off. So might try and get in an early episode so we can all relax and enjoy the rest of our weekends. A lot of good college football games on Friday too. So I'll be excited to watch that outside of that. I'll talk to you gentlemen on Friday. Enjoy your Thanksgivings and everybody else. Have a great day. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump at me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>